0: Greetings, programs. I am your super-fragilistic host, Joe Loper. You're welcome, Jake. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're having a fantastic Monday. We're gonna have some fun today. Um, a lot of the podcasts or the episodes that I've done in the past have you know, been somewhat serious or focused on you know big issues, and there's nothing wrong with that. But today, we're gonna simplify this, and we're gonna talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and that is movies. And more specifically, disaster movies. Why we're going to talk about this is using formulas or processes that get you where you want to go. Trying and figuring out the best way to do something and then just rinse repeating that forever. But the real reason is because I really want to talk about disaster movies. And you have to say it in a way that's like, disaster movies. You're know, going you kind to of have to put a little spin on it. Um, what are disaster movies? Well, they're action and adventure films but they're like a subgenre of it and they focus on catastrophic events that are usually caused by, you know, either natural disasters or human error or a combination thereof. The reason I want to talk about it is because if you watch enough of these movies and I will admit I have watched many they they follow very specific formulas that are wildly entertaining. Even though even though we've seen it maybe a dozen times, it doesn't matter. It's really wonderful to watch. Now, the clock is running, and these are not in any particular order. They are just the most common happenings in each of these movies. Some are more prominent than others. Some are less prominent. Some are just sprinkled in every once in a while, but if you watch probably like two or three disaster movies, you're you're going to start to notice these very specific storytelling plot devices. And the first one that we're going to talk about is you have to wait and watch what happens before you can run. What do I mean? So let's say that the monster is making its way out of the ice. It's been frozen for millennia and it is now coming out. Well whoever is watching this will stand there and watch like a huge hand or a claw appear and slam down. And then the next one and very slowly reveal itself until it is extended to its full height and does an ear-splitting roar and everyone will cower in fear and then suddenly start running. Like they couldn't run the moment they saw the hand appear or anything like that. They had to wait for the entire body To come into focus. And the same thing goes for like, if they see a tidal wave coming, they have to to wait till the tidal wave is clearly not just going to hit them, but is going to obliterate everything known to mankind. Like, there's just a pause that has to happen before everybody starts running. And they usually start running just in the nick of time to make it to safety, for the most part, right? Examples of this would be, you know, Godzilla. The Day After Tomorrow, The Core, Armageddon, all great movies, by the way. Now, the next one is everyone is always taken by surprise, even when it's right in front of them. Now, this kind of goes along with the one I just said, but there's a little bit of a difference. So let's say they're monitoring the progress of a monster in the world of Godzilla. And it gets to the city, and they're just, they're not quite sure what it's going to do. And then it just starts to obliterate the city and attack everyone and causing mass hysteria and destruction. And everybody's caught off guard. Even though they watched it come to the city, this ginormous monster screaming its head off and looking very terrifying. Oh my gosh, it's actually attacking people and causing millions of dollars in damage. Like, yeah, well, I mean, it's a monster, you know? So that's, 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 you can find that in almost every one of them. The Meg, again, Godzilla. Some of these are going to be repetitive. There's always, there's always something. Now, what's almost this one, this one is you can almost be guaranteed, you're gonna see this in every natural disaster movie. And that's the most iconic locations on Earth are going to be destroyed. And I mean almost every single one has this in it. The core Armageddon, the day after tomorrow. Like all of them. And what do I mean the most iconic locations? Well, in the core, a massive lightning storm, and I mean a massive one, comes out of nowhere and forms over Rome. And lightning strikes happen so frequently that the Colosseum explodes from the energy. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest thing in the world to describe this instead of watching it because it sounds even more ridiculous. But it's true. Armageddon, I believe New York City is kind of wiped off the map. A lot of these movies love to destroy New York City. In particular, they love to decapitate the Statue of Liberty. You know, you always see this iconic shot of the Statue of Liberty's head either laying on the ground or floating in the water or something like that. It's just They love to destroy that one. But the Golden Gate Bridge, the Eiffel Tower, and for some reason, nature just wants to destroy what man specifically has created for himself. It's not just enough to flood a city. It has to flood, like, Paris. And what's compelling about it is not just that this is happening, but there is a ragtag group of people who are banded together by these events and are trying to find a way to survive them. It's rarely a group that wants to be together. Usually there's maybe, like, one or two who are friends or something like that. But the rest are just kind of thrown together. And the day after tomorrow, there's a group with Jake Gyllenhaal and a couple of his friends, but then they meet up with Homeless Man and a couple other people from the library, and they are trying to survive this massive global storm that's reconfiguring the weather patterns on the planet Earth all at the same time. It's just the way it works. The core, again, the same thing. You have a, a group of really intelligent, very capable people. A couple of them don't like each other very much. Um, There's always a couple that are good friends. There's a leader. In 2012 with John Cusack, he is with his ex-wife, their kids, her new husband, they eventually hook up with a billionaire Russian, his mistress, and their pilot. (laughs) Like, what, what is, how? But it's so great to watch it happen. Because I think that's one of the reasons why we love these movies is because just the most random things happen, and people are just forced to, to deal with it, regardless of their background. Now, you're probably wondering, with all of this death, destruction, mayhem, and obliteration, how many people die? Like, what's, what's the casualty count? We can assume that it's going to be in the millions every single time. Sometimes in the hundred millions, sometimes in the billions. By the end of 2012, for instance, which is a cataclysmic reshuffling of Earth's water and land, pretty much the entire planet is inundated in a new flood, a la Noah from the Bible, and only a few hundred thousand survive on these massive ships that have been built in the interim. The rest of the planet's been killed, all of them, or at least we assume most of them, billions dead. In Armageddon, I believe a couple of hundred thousand die. San Andreas, which happens in California, obviously. Pretty sure there's a few million dead there. Even on a smaller scale, like, say, a disaster movie, a classic one, not not a new one. But the towering inferno from the 70s, many people die. So many people who get killed. It's The core in particular is like a Shakespearean tragedy because, spoiler alert, Most of the, you know, the ragtag group of people, many don't survive. By the end of it, there's only a couple from the team that actually make it through. And that is a core staple of these movies. So not only are a lot of people going to die, main characters are going to die as well. We just have to assume that. Very similar to Game of Thrones. If you have a favorite, they're probably not going to make it. I'm sorry. Now as the movie progresses, we get to a point where things are desperate and we think things are at their worst, but then they get so much worse from there. It actually gets so much more catastrophic, more monsters show up, more floods happen, more meteors strike. We're that much closer to to the end of end of the the time limit allowed to deflect the asteroid from Earth. Whatever, things are getting even worse. There's always a turning point from bad to just terrible. (laughs) We're We're not going to make it. We didn't think we were going to make it before. Now it's a certainty. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Okay. So there's that turn. And then almost always again, the next plot twist is that there is suddenly an enormous amount of resources made available to get us to the point we need to survive this. Again, in 2012, they have been building these massive ships for years because they know that this cataclysmic event is coming, and these ships are huge. They can hold like 100,000 people, 150,000 people, something like that, and they're designed to survive these massive floods. It's like, wait, this would be enormous. There's no way to, to account for that. Okay, We're actually there. We're maybe going to get through it. One of the main rules is that whoever is left of the main cast of the ragtag group of people, they have to be present, like all together, especially at the end. We can't get to the end of the film without them reuniting some way. Everybody has to be present. In the core, at the very end of this, they're trying to find this amazing... uh, subterranean train that they built to go to the core of the earth. And for some reason, on the U.S. Navy carrier ship that is looking for them, the entire team, including civilians, is present on the ship, even though they have served no purpose. Why they're there is irrelevant. They're there to make sure we have a great wrap-up and the whole team is present to know that we survived this. Now, it might be necessary at some point for someone to come along and point the way for our people to survive. And this introduces the conspiracy nut. Someone who has been following information and data for decades. They have been ostracized by society. But they believe they're right. Woody Harrelson does this in 2012. Without him, John Cusack would not get a map. That leads them to Europe to find these amazing ships that have been created for he and his family to survive. And Woody Harrelson plays a great nut. He is, he is a masterful lunatic. Without him, it wouldn't have happened. And he is he's hes weird. It's awesome. It works really well. But there's always somebody who points him in the right direction. And usually, you guessed it, that person dies. They almost never make it. They accept their fate. They've been waiting for this for a long time. It's time to go. This could keep going. I, there are so many of these, right? theres It just keeps going and going and going. Um, I think the last one I want to wrap up with is that at the end of these films, almost always no matter how many people have died, no matter how much death and destruction has occurred, there is a high note. It it ends on a note of uplifting. We survived, but not only that, we're going to thrive. We are going to find a way to make it through this. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we love disaster movies, why they're a mainstay in Hollywood, why we're always going to continue to see them. is because we love seeing people go through the ringer, Crazy, you know, fighting crazy odds and coming out on the other side. And not only that, you know, obviously we have the amazing special effects and the crazy situations and the big explosions and the crazy monsters and all that. But all of this is to say one, we love these movies, but two, they follow these tropes specifically because they're entertaining and they guarantee audience attention. We are going to keep. Coming back for more and more so we can watch these movies and that's really what it takes if you want to make a change if you're trying to accomplish something that's the same thing you find what works and you repeat it day in and day out making subtle changes here but that's how you make progress this was a fun way to talk about it i wanted to throw a little bit of difference in not only the subject matter but how we talk about it hopefully this has been interesting i am way past my time I will see how this turns out in the edit. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic week. And make sure you tell your friends to go watch these movies. Check out the podcast. I'll catch you guys in the next one.